not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hello, people. Hello, hello. And happy day, happy day, happy day to you. Guess what? We are celebrating. Hear my tambourine. (laughs) We are celebrating. I got my maracas. We're saying woohoo! We're celebrating. We're excited. Uh, we are celebrating six years of being on the air. Six years, people! Can you believe it? I I mean, time just flies when you are busy, when you are having fun. Right? (laughs) We're excited. Uh, In the studio, I'm probably going to be shaking this tambourine every so often. It's the best I can do. I wanted to, like, get something where I could blow a horn or something like that, too, and I just ran out of time. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Somebody calling me? (laughs) Or is that in the studio? That was a weird sound. But anyway, hopefully we're sounding good out there to to you all tonight. Um, I have to say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. For all that he has done, for all that he has done for us, in allowing us to be on the air. You know, it's a privilege to be on the air. air. It's a privilege to serve, and that's what... Uh, our radio program is all about is is serving the needs of those that are hurting. Um, we are hoping to extend hope. We're hoping to give answers. We're hoping to reach somebody that needs to know that they are loved, that needs to know that in spite of the horrible circumstances that may have happened in their life, that somebody loves them, that somebody is Jesus Christ, that somebody is Chris and myself, and um, we're just excited about it. You know, um, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of dedication and a commitment to keep up a work like this, and as you may or may not know, we've spent a lot of our time um, on this show talking about the um, devastation and the trauma and the effects of sexual abuse. So um, what better way for us to continue celebrating uh, than for us to go back into the past, for us to reach back into the past and uh, reflect on some of our past shows, reflect on some of our past guests, 
And I was so excited this morning when I um, started reaching out to some of our guests, and I was able to reach a guest that we had um, back in 2011, March of 2011. We had Amira Berger on our show. Um, at that time, she'd, she had been a victim of uh, sex trafficking after, this was after being raped as a child at the age of six years old, after becoming addicted to drugs, um, ending up homeless. I mean, there was just a variety of horrific things that happened to her between the ages of six and 18. Um, when I learned of her, she was um, she was speaking on uh, radio programs, um, and she was involved with a community outreach called uh, Mending the Soul. Uh, Mending the Soul. She gives credit to them for really helping her to um, understand that she, in fact, had been abused. And um, I was just so excited this morning when I was able to get a hold of her. For those of you who may not have listened to that show, I just want to read uh, her updated bio before we introduce her. Um, and she may not actually get to start speaking until after our first break, but here's a little bit of background information. Um, at that time, we knew her as Amira Berger, and today she let me know that um, she is now comfortable going by her real name, and her real name is Savannah Sanders. Such a beautiful name. I told her it sounds like she should be in Georgia, that she should be coming from Georgia somewhere. But Savannah Sanders is the Director of Community Outreach and Human Trafficking Services at Sojourner Center, one of the nation's largest and longest-running domestic violence shelters, serving more than 10,000 women and children impacted by domestic violence each year. Um, Savannah's duties at Sojourner Center include overseeing the SAFE, safeguarding all from exploitation action project, a training and education program for the hospitality industry and the community at large on the warning signs of human trafficking so that suspected incidents can be reported. Um, she is also a founding board member of Well-Founded Hope, an Arizona nonprofit helping to restore the life of traumatized young women who have been sex trafficked, is an active member of a large network of human trafficking survivor advocates. Sanders shares her compelling story of abuse and recovery as a source of inspiration and motivation for audiences across the United States, providing testimony on Emmy-nominated television news segments in sex trade, documentaries, 
at local events and on talk radio. So we have her on talk radio with us tonight. Let me introduce to you and have her say hello. Hello, Miss Savannah Sanders. I was going to say Miss Sanders. (laughs) Hi, how are you? I am pretty good. How are you doing? I am good. I'm so excited that you called me today. It was um, a blast from the past for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's show our excitement. I'm going to shake my tambourine just a little bit here. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a blast from the past. I mean, can you believe it's been five years? Um. (laughs) Yeah, I know, and it's so funny because. I, um, it just, yeah, it just seems so long ago. It seems like a long time ago, but it wasn't really actually that long ago. But congratulations on your anniversary of the radio show. That's a big accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as someone who works tirelessly at, um, making a dent in this huge problem, I'm sure you know how how demanding and how tedious that it can be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very much but so. I yeah, yeah. Today after we talked I um I looked you up on YouTube and I saw some of the things that you've been involved in. Um I saw an interview on K T A R News and then I saw the Women in Leadership Summit back in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. And it looked like um a segment that you had done, I guess it was called the number eight Amira Drugs as Coping dot move. So you've been busy. <laughs> yeah. You've been busy. Well, tell us what you've been up uh, to in your own words. Tell us um, where do you want to start. Yeah, it's been um definitely a really amazing roller coaster. Um, when I first started sharing my story and about some of my experiences, I had just started, you know, I started school around that same time and had been currently just getting into school. Um, I had gotten a full ride scholarship to attend community college and was doing that and had babies. I think at that time I had a, um, two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a, well, a ten-year-old, maybe, (laughs) and was trying to go to school and do all of that, and um, and just started sharing my story, and now um, I was able to finish that and go on to get another full-ride scholarship to go to Arizona State University, where I got my bachelor's in social work with a minor in women and gender studies, and I've really been able to launch my career. I've been doing a lot of speaking nationally. Um, and then I was able in 2014 to get, I was speaking at a conference and a publisher approached me afterwards and asked me if I wanted to write a book, which I did. It would been on my dream board for a while. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So that's so how that he, came about. I didn't get to yeah. ask you this morning how that happened. Okay. Uh-huh. So in my last year of school as a senior and working full-time and taking care of four kids, I decided to write a book. 
Wow. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it took me, um, so I got the contract and then I started, I started Hold writing. On. Hold on, because I'm getting the cues that we're about to go into a break and I know that you won't get to finish your thought. So everybody inhale and exhale because that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Miss Savannah will come back after the break and pick up right where we left off. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland, 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S. The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, we're back, and we're still celebrating, people. I got the tambourine. I got the maracas. I would do a little dance and a jig for you, but uh, that's all right. I got someone on the line. I got someone on the air. So back to our guest, who is happy to be with me. Um, 
Miss Savannah was just telling us basically how she has been Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) How in the world did you manage, with all that going on, to write a book? I honestly, I do not know. Um, I think... I think a lot of it is because it had just been a lot of stuff that I knew, you know, I knew the vision for the book and I knew what I wanted, wanted to write. And I had an amazing publisher that didn't try to change or alter my message. Mm. Um, And so I pretty much just sat down and wrote it out. um, And hopefully it's an easy read for everybody. And it, feels like I'm talking to them instead of something that they're that they're reading. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, um, I did look it up um, even before you sent me the link. I did look it up myself, and I want to tell our listeners the name of the book is Sex, I'm sorry, Sex, Sex Trafficking Prevention, A Trauma-Informed Approach for Parents and Professionals by Savannah Sanders. Um, I actually, let's see, who I don't see on what I printed, who the publisher is. Do you want to tell us that part before I read um, the insert about yeah. the book? Who Who is the publisher? The publisher is Unhooked Books. Okay. And um, Megan Hunter runs that program, and she's a, most of the books that she prints are focused on mental health and relationships, and so it was a perfect fit for me. Sounds like it. It sounds like it. So this is what it says. Um, It says, a non-sensationalized book that gives readers a trauma-informed way to think about sex trafficking. Forget what you thought you knew about domestic sex trafficking and the best ways to prevent it. The problem is larger in scope and involves more factors than most can imagine. This book lays out what makes young people vulnerable to trafficking, exploring the real root of the problem and the numerous effects of abuse outlines steps parents and others can take to mitigate those risk factors and describes ways to help Victims find healing. Of course, Miss Savannah um, drew from her own experiences uh, of being a survivor, um, of someone who who was delivered, set free from sex trafficking and other traumas in her life. So I don't want to do all the talking. I'm going to let you say what else would you like to say um, about this book? Yeah. So. Through through this journey that I've been on and telling my story and meeting new people and my social work degree um, has really been a, a perfect storm, if you will, to help me realize, what, one, what healing is and how freeing it is just to identify the trauma you've been in that you've experienced and being able mm-hmm. to name it was such a huge healing experience for me. It wasn't, you know assessment after assessment and all of the different types of therapies, it was when I was able to name my victimization, did I really start to begin that healing process? Um, And it actually started with a definition on Facebook of what sex slavery was. And when I saw that, I was able to identify that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it helped me to seek that. 
And so through that journey, I've really been able to look back on my life and look at the generational dynamics of abuse that I had experienced and my family had experienced. And so I use my story as a case study with a social work perspective to kind of break down my life throughout the time and really look at like when I first disclosed and how the adults in my life responded to that right and how they responded to it wrong and what mm-hmm. could have been done better. Mm-hmm. Um, because then, I mean, really, and not every trafficking victim has a history of sexual abuse, but a large majority do. And so by identifying and dealing with the root causes of abuse and trauma in our society, we can really create this trifecta of of prevention by preventing buyers and traffickers and um, those being those that are preyed upon because they're vulnerable. And that's really mm-hmm. one I wanted to do with the book. Now tell us, um, you use the term social work perspective. And for me, I think that makes sense to me. Um, I've been in healthcare and I hear those kinds of terms. But for our listeners, Explain what you mean by social work perspective. So as a um, as a social worker, you know, we're taught to see the whole person, their community, their family of origin, their um, their life as their job and their sexuality and all of these things combined to make the whole person and really looking at it from that lens. And so there's a lot of theories that I use in the book, but none of them are, like, called, like, I talk about attachment theory, which is a form of, you know, which is a theory used a lot in social work. So I talk about, I, like, brush on attachment theory, but I don't do it in a way that's a social work, social worky terminology. Okay. <laughs> you know, I do okay. it in a very... um Kind of like layman's terms, like everyday terms. Very layman's terms and everyday Mm -hmm. terms. And I wanted it to be something that a 13-year-old could read and that Mm a 50-year-old survivor could read. And it's not triggering. It does not go into the details of my story, but it does give an overview of the reactions and the cause and effects of my my traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you took... You took what you learned in school, but you kind of, should I say, uh, like, just made it more um, user-friendly? Or <laughs> Yeah, definitely more user. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a trauma-informed, it's definitely a trauma-informed approach and looking at, okay. at things through a trauma-informed lens, but it's for mm-hmm. everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And... I go through that and those aspects, and then towards the end of the book, I shift focus to how I've done differently, done things differently with my own children to build protection and resiliency in their lives um, as well so that people can see, like, the way things have shifted from the way things were handled while I was a kid and how now I have handled those close encounters with my own children um, mm-hmm. to break that cycle of abuse. Now, I see here in um, in the insert about your book where you say here, she talks of everyday things we can do to intervene, dash, not rescue youth in troubled lives and homes. Tell us a little bit 
you know, of like what you mean by that, to intervene, everyday things that we can do to intervene, not rescue. I mean, go ahead. So I think the the first thing that's so incredibly important is while a lot of this information I got came from school and and my experiences, the number one reason I'm able to talk about the things that I'm able to talk about and notice things in my community the way I am is because I've done my own healing and I've done my own work. And Mm -hmm. that has just really broadened my, um, that's really broadened the way I look at things and I can notice dangerous situations. So Mm -hmm. I think if you've experienced anything in your life and even if you're in a good space and you're, you know, you have a successful career and that kind of thing, there's always healing that can be done, right? And the more we heal, the more we can have that ripple effect in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding your own, you know, finding your healing, whether it's through um, a trauma therapist or a, a group like Mending the Soul, getting deep to the roots of the cause of your pain in life can really have a ripple effect. And then just being a safe person for the children in your life, whether that's the kids in your classroom, your nieces and nephews, your your own children, um, the children in your community. One of the big things that caused so much harm for me was that I had experienced all of this abuse and nobody ever really heard me or saw me. And, um, and I think if they would have been given the right tools, they would have. And so just stopping and listening to kids and letting them know how important they are, because as I look back on my life, I really see all of the, I remember all of the people that just took time to listen, not Mm -hmm. that I was talking about the abuse or anything, but I remember all of those people that had a positive impact on my life. And those people are the reason that I'm able to be as strong and, and, um, resilient as I am today because they built that resiliency in me throughout my life. Um, and it really was a stepping stone for me when I, when I began my healing journey. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got about a minute before the next break. So I'm going to pose a question to you that maybe you can answer when we come back. Um, tell us what you think about this in being a safe person in the community, for example, a teacher or a you know, maybe you are a soccer mom that kind of uh, chaperones a group of kids or you're a leader in your church or whatever. Do you think it's acceptable to ask kids, is something going on at home or or questions similar to that when you see that they are maybe withdrawn or maybe acting out or, you know, doing something different than they normally do? You know, is it okay to approach them and ask them that type of a question? And if so, how does one go about broaching that subject? Answer that if you can, or in your own perspective, when we come back. (laughs) Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> A black. 
black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from authorhouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people. This is Minister Diane, and I have Miss Savannah Sanders, a returning guest on our show from 2011. She is doing wonderful things, and she is a true champion, and she continues to advocate and to fight for those who can't fight for themselves, to educate, to train the community in various ways. And I have just asked her a question, and that question was, is it okay to ask the child uh, the type of question that would be, uh, how are things at home? Is everything okay at home? Should we be more direct than that? If yes to any of those things, how does one begin that conversation? So I am a huge, you know, I know it's kind of a controversial um question because um, it it comes up that, you know, we shouldn't meddle in other people's affairs and it's the parent's job to do this and and that's the kind of education they should be giving and I, I just think that, you know, it's so important for us as a community, as a bystander to be able to stand up. Um, you know, there was the little girl in New Mexico recently who died horrifically at the hands of her mother and boyfriend and and other people in the home. And I do think if people may have asked more direct questions, um, because one of the one of the neighborhood women had said, I've I've asked her if everything was okay at home and she always said yes. Um, mm. And that little girl was being raped every day by mm. the people that were supposed to protect her. And I don't at all blame that woman. I commend her for asking her if everything was okay at home. But I think that for the safety and well-being of not just 
these children's future, but for our community as a whole, because this is a public health issue that affects every single one of us, Mm -hmm. um, that we have to, we, we just have to be more direct in asking. And, you know, I've had, I've, when people ask my kids stuff because they're looking out or whatever, I'm, I always commend them and you know, say thank you for, you know, thank you for asking and thank you for checking up on our family. Um, Mm -hmm. Granted, there was nothing for no no need, but still, I I really appreciate being able to know that there are people that are starting to talk about it more and starting to ask questions. And I think when you're that person and you have that opportunity to ask direct questions, like I, I think we always risk losing friendships and relationships over it. But mm-hmm. um, because, but I think that um, I could have wound up, I mean, to be frank, I could have wound up dead. And mm-hmm. these kids that are experiencing abuse can, you know, unfortunately commit suicide or die by suicide and live unhealthy, horrible lives if somebody just doesn't take the the time to ask and to ask direct questions and at the end of the day, I feel like I have, I have an opportunity and a, and a responsibility because I know differently now that Mm -hmm. I can't unsee it. And I need to take that responsibility and, um, ask the, ask the right questions. And I do think those are direct questions. Like, have you ever been sexually abused or has anybody ever touched you or has anybody ever hit you? Um, mm-hmm. and if it does cost me a relationship, it could be saving a life. And that's the choice I have to make when I come in contact with those, those, that dichotomy in my community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, I think that's good, um, to just remind people over and over and over and even more than remind them, but tell them we, you, you know, we need to, we need to be involved. We need to ask these type of questions and, Perhaps if people um, respond like you just described, where you say thank you for asking, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for checking on my family, then um, then that will make it easier to have these kinds of talks. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, for some reason, people they tend to become defensive, even if it's not going on. You know, right. I could see if it's going on a person being defensive because, of course, they don't want to be found out but right. even when it's not going on people want to get defensive about even asking you know mm-hmm. or as they would say insinuating <laughs> you know right. and it's That's, and it's for ahead. parents too not just our you know i've i've worked with so many young boys and girls whose siblings were their abusers and the parents thought something was happening to them they didn't think it was their child but they thought that they thought that something was happening and they asked them if they were okay and they said yes but they didn't take it to the next step to ask who what when mm-hmm. where you know what i mean or maybe um, they maybe they didn't insist um like follow up continue to because you mm-hmm. see that your child is acting differently you see right. maybe that that child's personality has changed. But I heard you even in one of the interviews that I was um, 
uh, listening to you talk about earlier, how that you were acting out, but your family was attributing it to other things. Mm-hmm. You know, bipolar. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. So just because the child says, "Oh, I'm fine," but yet they continue to display the signs of some sort of a problem. It's like you have to be persistent. Yeah. Am I right? And with me, yes, absolutely. And with me, and with I hear so often when a, a, a teenage girl or boy gets to 13, 14, and they start running away, I always hear so often, well, it's because they I have rules and they don't want to follow rules. That mm. is n- no kid ever runs away because they were asked to do the dishes, period. (laughs) It just, it doesn't happen. And we have Uh to stop thinking like, oh, it's because we have rules. Because Uh it's not, it's not about the rules. It's about the shame. It's about the fear. It's about the not being able to understand what's going on inside your head and body when you've experienced abuse that nobody knows about. That's Mm. the impetus of running Mm -hmm. away. You know what I mean? Mhm mhm there's there's usually a lot more to it than rules. Right. Um, unless that person is a tyrant. Yeah, that person is a, you know, a tyrant then that's a tyrant and abusive person regarding the rules. That's one thing, but I hear what you're saying that a lot of times it's it's way more to it than that. Um why people begin to teams begin to run away. Mm-hmm. Um I saw somewhere, let's see, I can't remember if, if it where I read it, but you, I think it was just in my opening statement that you are doing some training for the hospitality yes. industry. You want to tell yes, us a little so bit about that? Through, Sojourner, um, through Sojourner's Center, where I work, um, mm-hmm. we have a program called the Safe Action Project. And the mm-hmm. Safe Action Project is a training program um, where the materials are totally free and available to the public. And that program teaches hotels directly how to recognize and report human trafficking. And we've had some really great successes with it. Um, one program, we trained all 300 of their staff in about a week. And mm-hmm. within one week of doing the training, they made seven reports to the wow. National Human Trafficking Hotline, and it was a it was a five-star resort. Wow. Um, so we've had, we've got the program in multiple, 17 states across the United States, and we also have it in Mexico and New Zealand being used. And it, the trainings are quick. Um, they're only about five minutes long, but they're, they're succinct and to the point, and they're for each department, um, mm-hmm. so that we can get the you know the as many people trained as we can. So we have a housekeeping video, a front desk video, um, and we've seen in Michigan we saw that two traffickers were arrested and three women were referred uh, based on one of the hotel employees noticing signs that they saw from our videos. So. Wow. Wow, that's excellent. That is excellent. So really and truly just increasing awareness and encouraging people to act, you know, mm-hmm. instead of the old instead of the old it's none of my business, um 
I don't want to get involved or don't talk about it attitude. You're really just kind of getting in people's faces and saying, hey, this is real. Yeah. This is real. This is really happening. And this is what you need to look for. And it's not only okay, but it's good to call. It's good to report. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of us can probably imagine why, why, why you targeted hotels, but tell us why hotels. Um, so we targeted targeted hotels because they are at the, they're at the front lines. Um, you know, there's this, there's often a miscon, it's often a misconception that hotels are, you know, willing participants in this kind of illegal activity. And we've seen so many hotels step up and want to really make a difference and stop be able to recognize and stop stop this in its tracks and we've seen them really embracing the training and um, taking charge and there's many many states that have taken it on as an initiative and have done it on their own and mm-hmm. that's because unfortunately you um, hotels are a place where traffickers can go and sell children and men and women and it's also a place where buyers can stay and order a kid off of Backpage like a pizza. It's it's really not wow. Okay. And they could they can actually they would do that in hotels with children also. Yes. That just seems like I I I, I in my own mind I can see how they could probably get away with it or hide it with with women. You know, young women, teens, or whatever. But with with children, with minors, wow, that is yeah, just absolutely. alarming. It's and alarming. You, I mean, and the the trainings are free to the public. So if you wanted to go to the safeactionproject.org and watch the videos, um, you can see exactly what signs to look out for, um, and it. You know, it focuses on child sex trafficking and late and adult trafficking, and gives different warning signs for different areas. Okay, we'll be back after the break. We'll be back. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page, amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a 
living for you to do. Yes, start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep at the topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. people. I was so excited when we started the show that I forgot to tell you that I am sipping my tea. That is something that I enjoy to enjoy doing with you, my listeners. And I am sipping something that is like a berry hibiscus and it's like mm, yummy, yummy, yummy. It's <laughs> fruity. <laughs> it's almost too late for you to get yours. But I just had to let you know that I, I didn't forget about our little intimate time together, our tea drinking time together. So that would that being... be... uh-huh. <laughs> I was gonna say that would be perfect for me because it is drizzling and super overcast where I'm at right now. Oh really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but you, you I didn't even get to touch bases when you asked you did you make you anything? So <laughs> you didn't get to make you a hot cup, huh? Oh well That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Well, as usual, there's so much to cover in so little time. I do want to talk about um, what we discussed briefly this morning. Um, People listening, I was telling Miss Savannah that I recently heard a radio program about a week ago maybe, and I didn't get the uh, name of the person that was being interviewed at the time, but she was, I believe, a news reporter who made it a point to cover the stories that are going on in Mexico right now regarding um, the corruption in the government, the corruption in the police force, um, and mostly she was reporting on the sex, sexual abuse and the sex trafficking uh, dilemma, the the horrible situation. I mean, the things that she was describing just literally brought tears to my eyes. I was working at the time, and I wasn't at home at the time, so I didn't have the freedom to write down the radio station and whatnot. But, Savannah, you were telling me that you recently testified at the Mexican Senate 
regarding this issue. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We only have like maybe two minutes to dedicate to it, but let's see what we can get in. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was able to travel to Mexico um, to the Senate and testify with my experiences and with several other survivors around um, sex trafficking and, and and laws that needed to change as far as meeting the needs of survivors within um and make sure that policies and procedures and how the community can respond to survivors to best to best support them. Um, mm-hmm. It was a really incredible, incredible um, experience. And there are a lot of people and a lot of agencies and politicians in Mexico who fight very hard um, to stop the stop the abuse and corruption that's going on. And I was mm-hmm. able to meet meet them and um there's lots there you know there's lots of movement and it's always an uphill battle much as it is for us okay well that's good to know because when i listened to this other person she she sounded as though it was um almost hopeless like um they were fighting mm-hmm. it but um that there didn't seem to be much recourse because the corruption went so high and so so deep and because it you know was even in in the police force itself so even when you tried to tell on people you know it it basically mm-hmm. caused a backlash so it's it's good to hear yes, you say a, that it's a dangerous i mean it's a dangerous fight to be fighting but mm-hmm. i do know that you know i do i had the privilege of getting to connect with a lot of really amazing people with great hearts that are um, taking, you know, taking risks and fighting mm-hmm. for the rights of others. And, um, I mean, it, it's a horrific position to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of trafficking, a lot of abuse. The shelters are always full. Um, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of good too. That's good. That's good. That there's, it's, it's always good to leave people with hope and to let our listeners know that if you are one of those people that are faced with the 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 opportunity or given the opportunity to speak up or to do something even if it's to work toward your own healing even if that is where you have to start is working towards being healed yourself then that's a start because when you've done that, then you can reach back and you can help somebody else. And that mm-hmm. is what Savannah has done, is doing. That is what I have done, am doing. Um, our paths have crossed um, in different ways as far as how we've achieved that healing. But our mission, I believe, is the same. (laughs) It's the same. Um, We only have a few minutes left. Maybe you can tell people how they can get your book. Um, I will say for our listeners, I didn't get to read it myself, but Miss Savannah is going to send me a copy, right? You're going to send me a copy? Yes. (laughs) I normally read all my books before I plug them, so (laughs) um, I'm trusting that we've done a good thing here, Miss Savannah. (laughs) I don't. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think you could be 
wrong with it. It might not be the most amazing written book that's ever <laughs> happened, but it <laughs> it, it gets the job done. Some, huh? It gets the job done. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> what counts. For editors is all I'm saying. that's what counts because like you said it's non-sensationalized and that's that's my approach that has been my approach too i want to tell it like it is um i want it to be um earnest and sincere because that's what touches people's lives that's that's how people know that uh, you care because you are sincere so um how do we get it you can get it on amazon it's um, you can go to Amazon and put in sex trafficking prevention, and it'll okay. be a, it's a blue book with a little mm-hmm. heart on it. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be very intentional about everything on the book, from the cover to the words inside of it. So it's on Amazon, um, Sex Trafficking Prevention, A Trauma-Informed Approach for Parents and Professionals by Savannah Sanders. Wonderful. Wonderful. I can't believe we got this one done in one segment. I mean, one show. I think last time we had to have you come back. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Well, I am truly, truly happy that you were able to join us. Um, I hope that we can stay in touch, you know, down through the years. If you're doing anything new or anything special, that you keep our information and reach out to us and let us know so that we can continue to support each other's work. Well, I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing and the light that you're shining on on this. And I think with me and you and others like us who are fighting this fight, um, we could, you know, we can really make a difference. So, Yeah, I was hoping um, to plug your your, um, other foundation, Well-Founded Hope. Let's see. Is that what you call that in... Yeah, a mm-hmm. nonprofit, a nonprofit organization where you raise funds. Is that true for this Sorry. cause? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, people, you can look that up. Um, I typed in "well-founded hope" earlier today, and I found it. And uh, so, you know, look that up if you want to donate to the work that um, Savannah is doing. You can go on that website, and you can see what they're doing, and you can donate, and you can help us out that way. Oh, my goodness. He's telling me, are you telling me I still have three minutes, Roy? (laughs) I just looked up, and I guess because we started a few minutes. Yes, we have a few more minutes. Okay, so then you can tell us about Well-Founded Hope. (laughs) We don't have to quite... um... Well-Founded Hope is a nonprofit organization that has had started to support women who have been trafficked, and they have a we have a once-a-month um, drop-in center, and then Sojourner Center, where I'm at right now, is the largest domestic violence shelter in Arizona. Um, we have a, we have a 120 bed shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, for women and children who have experienced trafficking, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, and we ha- we even have a pet shelter so mm-hmm. that women who are leaving abusive situations don't have to leave behind their, their pets. Mm-hmm. And we have an outreach program that does community-based programming with 
men and women in the community to provide case management and support and education to the community who have been affected by domestic violence. So when you say drop-in center, that means this is not a place where people live, but they can they can drop in. They so can the drop-in center for yeah, the drop-in center for well-founded hope is a drop-in center to come and get resources and a you know food that kind of thing that okay. happens okay. once a month, and then so Jupiter <laughs> Center um, has a large a large domestic violence shelter where we have a crisis shelter that's 120 days. Um, and we also have a transitional living program that's for up to two years where you get an apartment and work with a case manager during that time. Okay. Well, people, we, we threw some names out there at you, and you can look these names up. Sojourner Center, <clears throat> Well-Founded Hope. You can... Plug in Ms. Savannah's book, Sex Trafficking Prevention, and you can find all this information online, and you can join us and you can do your part. And I just want to close in saying that the Lord loves you. Um, I am a minister of the gospel, and I have to let you know that part. Thank you for listening. Until next time, good night.